Turn in your Bibles to begin with. Go to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. And uh, we, while you're going to Psalms, I'll read you uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. You know this verse. It's verse we started in on Wednesday night uh, when Paul says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. To the glory of God. This is our chief purpose. Above everything else that we are to do, in this life, as the children of God, we are to bring God glory. That is the chief thing. We're to bring Him glory, to glorify Him. And it should be our desire that our lives would do so. As, as Paul makes the point there in, in 1 Corinthians, that whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, even those mundane things, those things that don't mean much at all, just the routine things of life, we should be mindful even in those that we are glorifying the Lord in our lives, that we desire to do that even in those, those everyday routine things. But here in Psalm 100 and, and verse number 3, we're, we're looking at like the Wednesday night we looked at what it is to glorify God about concerning His glory, and we talked about how we do that with our appreciation, with our worship or our adoration, with our affection uh, for Him and with our subjection to Him. We, we looked at those ways in which we glorify Him. And tonight, I want us to, or this afternoon, I want us to consider now why, why must we glorify God? We read here in Psalm 100 in verse number 3, uh, one of those reasons why. He says, I will set no wicked thing. I'm sorry, I'm reading uh, 101. 100. Know ye not that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. He is the one that has made us. And so because He is the one that has made us, he then deserves all the glory we can give unto Him. He is the Creator. We belong to Him. He is the one that gives us our being. Well, we think it kindness when a man spares our life. But God is not only our benefactor, but He is also our founder. He is the one that keeps us. He is the one that has control over our lives. He is the one that provides all that we have need of each and every day. He is the very one who gives us all that we have, all that we are. And so because of that, He deserves, He deserves our glory, all that we can bestow upon Him. He has made uh, all things for Himself, and that includes you and I. Proverbs chapter 64, or I'm sorry, 16, verse 4. My eyeballs are running together. Proverbs 16 and verse number 4. Proverbs 16, verse number 4. Solomon writes here, The Lord hath made all things for Himself. The Lord hath made all things for Himself. Yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Even the wicked for the day of evil. He's going to get glory out of all of His creation. Uh, whether they serve Him or whether they don't, He's going to get glory out of it all. He will be glorified. Uh, it will either be by uh, His grace or by His judgment, He will be glorified. He will be glorified. And so he is, he is the one who has made all things, and He has made all things for Himself. In Exodus 14, Exodus 14 and verse number 17, 
Exodus 14, verse number 17. He says this, And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And how did he get him honor on them? When he ground them in the Red Sea. And so he will get his glory. He will get it even, even from the wicked. He will be glorified. He will be glorified. Isaiah 43 and verse number 21. Isaiah 43 and verse number 21. Isaiah writes here, This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. They shall show forth my praise. So he has created it all for himself, and he will gain glory, whether it be, whether it be the righteous, whether it be the wicked, whether it be by his grace, whether it be by his judgment, he will receive glory from all of His creation that He has made. Amen. He will receive that glory. He will be glorified. And so we, we see He deserves our glory because He's the one that gives us our being. He is the one that makes us for Himself. Um, even the, the remarkable thing is even the other parts of the creation, the inanimate parts of the creation, the animals even, all of, all of the creation glorifies God. They bring glory to Him. Those things, even, even the inanimate, the rocks will bring glory to Him, you see. They bring glory to Him. And yet it is man that has the consciousness of self, has the consciousness of who God is and knows He is. It is man that would refuse with his mouth, would refuse with his life, would refuse in his rebellion to honor and glorify God. And yet, nevertheless, he's going to. Even if in his refusal, he's going to. But it's man that would make that, that determination that he would not worship, that he would not serve, that he would not glorify God. One who understands. When all the rest of the creation does, all the rest of the creation brings honor and glory to Him. In Psalm 19, Psalm chapter number 19, verse number 1, this is a familiar verse to you, I know. Psalm 19, verse number 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. The heavens declare the glory of God. They do so in many ways. We've, we've found over the years that even the constellations themselves tell the story of the gospel of Christ Jesus when you look at it with the proper order and and, and what was originally there, man takes the things of God, the things that declare the glory of God, man will take them and spin them and he'll turn, twist their meanings and twist their, their names and so on and they get all other stories out of it. But originally, the constellations were declaring to us the very story of Christ and His coming. And we know that not only from what it used to say, we can read that, that very reality in the, in the old uh, study of it, but we also know that those wise men in Jesus' day at his birth, what they were doing, they were looking in the stars. They saw in the, the lining of the constellations the king's born, and they came looking for him. We've been, we've been studying this. We see this. We know he's born. Where is he? Where can we go worship the king? Because we've seen the king is born. They were looking at the stars. They were looking at the constellations and what God had written in them. So in that sense, they glorify 
the Lord. But also, one of the things they recently found out in science studying the 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 universe and and the 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 uh, planets and the, just the bodies that particularly that are in our solar system. They said it's weird. They they, they why we haven't figured this out. Why we couldn't hear it before? But guess what? All of the planets make their own sounds. They all produce their own tones that we could not hear before. But now, I guess with the the the, the uh, technology we have, they were able actually to hear these tones that the the heavenly bodies are making in in space there, and they all sing their own different song. Even, even these rocks, they praise their Maker. They praise their Maker. The heavens declare the glory of God. In Isaiah 43, and verse number 20, Isaiah 43 and verse number 20, The Lord says here, the beast of the field shall honor me. The dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls. They, even the creatures of his creation, give him honor. That's creatures below us. The creatures above us, by the way, they do also. Those angels uh, in the presence of God, they bring Him glory. They wait on His throne. We read there in Isaiah chapter number 6, as Isaiah sees that, that vision of the throne room of God, he sees those seraphim that are gathered around God's throne. And what are they crying out one to another? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And so even those creatures above us, we see, they also glorify the Lord. And so we also, especially we who experience His blessings, especially we who know of His grace, especially we who understand what it is to have salvation in Christ Jesus, especially us, we should be glorified. His name should be upon our lips, especially us, that in our everyday life, even as Paul would say, even in those things that are routine, eating and drinking, we should give Him praise and glory in those things. Even in the smallest details. Glorify. Glorify the Lord. Glorify Him. Now, we are to glorify Him. Number one, because He gives us our being, because He's created us for Himself, because all the rest of the creation glorifies Him, we ought to as well. But also it's because of our hopes that we have in Him. That we are to glorify. Psalm 39. Psalm 39 and verse number 7. Psalm 39 and verse 7. David makes this simple proclamation here. He says... Psalm 39, verse 7, And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in Thee. My hope is in Thee. Psalm 62 and verse number 5. Psalm 62 and verse number 5. Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul, 
My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. Then Psalm 87 and verse number 7. Psalm 87 and verse 7. As well, the singers as the players on instruments shall be there all, listen to what he says, all my springs are in thee. All my springs are in thee. He is our provider of all things. Our hope is in Him. Our expectation is in Him. He is, it is from Him that, that we look to for everything. Jesus makes the very point to us, without me, ye can do nothing. Without Him, we can't live. We need Him for everything. He is our hope. He is our expectation. He is our provision, our springs. All my springs are in thee. And so we aim to glorify God. That is, should be, our desire to glorify Him. And we, we uh, in our desire to glorify Him, we are focusing purely at His glory. That's, that, that is not... We don't glorify Him for us. We glorify Him for Him. Because that He deserves our glory because of who He is. And so when we, we speak about glorifying Him, it's not in some way that we're going to, well, I'm going to do for Him, so Lord, I expect the Lord to do for me. That's not, that's not what it is to glorify Him. We are, we are to glorify Him for Him because He's deserving of all of our glory we can pour out on Him. John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8 and verse number 50. John 8 and verse 50. We'll read verse 49 with that as well. This is after the Jews claimed he had a devil. And he tells them there in verse 49. Now again, we mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago as we were studying uh, the new birth. And, and Nicodemus, this is at the beginning of the Lord's ministry, Nicodemus comes to him, we know that our, thou art a teacher come from God. And it's just these few chapters over. Chapter 3 is when Nicodemus comes to him. By chapter 8, the Jews are calling him, are saying that he's got a devil. So they went from being sent from God, knowing that only uh, only one who come from God be able to do these miracles, as Nicodemus says, just a few chapters over, they're saying he has a devil. And he's not changed. He's continuing to do the same things. He's continuing to work the same miracles. He's continuing to give the same message. He's, he's doing the same things. He's not changed. He was them not being able to handle the things that he was saying. And so they, they go from, from saying he was a, a man sent from God. Nicodemus said, we know that. So that, it wasn't just Nicodemus believed that. All the rest of them were believing that too at that point. By the time you get to verse, or chapter number 8, they're saying, you've got a devil. And he says to them there, verse 49, he says, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory, there is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my sayings, he shall never see death. And so he declares even the Lord to hear. He says he wasn't seeking his own glory. He was seeking to glorify his Father. In his ministry, his purpose was to glorify his Father. Now, that is, should be our desire. 
that should be out in our everyday life, in, a, in the routine things of our lives, it should be our desire to glorify God. Not for anything for me. Not to make me feel better about myself. Not for, not for others to look at me and say, oh, what a good Christian. That's, that should not be our purpose. It's not about in any way for us to receive anything from it. But rather it is simply because we love Him, because He deserves it, because He is who He is. It is our, should be our desire for no other reason but that He might receive glory, that we glorify our God. That we bring Him glory. That we give ourselves and give, again, even those routine, everyday things, that we even give those to Him. That He might be glorified in us. Too often we don't think about it as we talk about Wednesday. Too often our minds are, are so caught up with the things of the world that we go through our routine and never consider God. We go through our morning routine. We've got you all, we all have our routines. We've got our morning routines. We've got our afternoon routines. And boy, we don't want nobody messing up the routines. This 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 is my routine, and this is the way I do it. One of the things that aggravates me to death, and Heather laughs at me just about every night. Or gets mad at me one or the other. I'll, I'll come to bed, and my routine every night is when I go get in bed. First, first thing I do when I walk in the bedroom is plug my phone up to charge it while I'm asleep. I don't charge it through the day; I charge it at night. And so I walk in there to plug my phone up, and inevitably, my phone charger is not where it's supposed to be. It's not in the wall there where I left it the morning before, and so I'm like. Where's my phone charger? And I wake Heather up. Where's the phone charger? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where it's at. It's somewhere. It's in my purse. It's in the living room. It's in this drawer or that drawer or one of the kids that carried it off. And so here I go stomping through the house trying to find my charger so I can carry it back in there and plug it up. We don't like people to mess up our routines, do we? That just throws, that throws a kink in it. Yeah, so we're, we are so in love with our routines because that's our comfort level. That's our zone. And we're so in love with our routines that most, most times we can't think of anything else other than self in our routines. And Paul says, whatsoever you eat or whatsoever you drink, do it for the glory of of God. We've got to slow our routines down enough as we go through our day that we take the time in our routines to make sure that even in those things it's not about me but I'm going to glorify the Lord in it. That we glorify, that we seek to glorify Him even in those things that seemingly don't matter. They matter to Him. They matter to Him. And He deserves our praise even in, even in our routines. He deserves our praise. And so we should praise Him. In all things, we should praise Him. We must prefer God's glory above everything else. Above our own credit, above our own position, above our relations, we should, we should prefer His glory above everything else. That He would be glorified in our lives. That He would be glorified with our daily walk. That He would be glorified wherever we find ourselves. Whether we are at work, whether we're at home, whether we're in, in Walmart, wherever we find ourselves, driving down the road, boy, I tell you what, the way people are acting, we, Jonathan and I was talking about this last night, people are getting nuttier and nuttier, especially on the roads. And it, it takes some grace to drive anymore. It takes some grace. And it takes even more 
grace that we are honoring the Lord when we drive. We, we, we need to be mindful in everything that we are honoring our Lord, that we would honor Him, that we would glorify Him even, even in these daily routines. We need to prefer His glory above everything else, above our position, above credit for ourselves, above our relations, above our pride. We need to glorify Him first, above everything else. We also must be content in the giving of that glory. We must be content whether we are the loser or whether we're the winner. Whether we're the one coming on the short end of the stick or whether we're the one that's getting the prize. Whatever position we find ourselves, that we give him glory. That we give him glory. We must be content that if we are outshined by others because of their gifts, because of what they are able to do, that we are satisfied that God gets the glory. It's not about us. It's about His glory. It's about giving Him glory. Giving Him glory. Our envy is not about giving Him glory. Our pride is not about giving Him glory. Give Him glory. Give Him glory. We glorify God even by confessing our sins. Luke chapter 23. Go back with me to Luke 23. This is our Lord's crucifixion. And on either side of Him, the Scripture calls them malefactors, these two guys are hanging on either side of him. And as the crucifixion began to take place and they were hanging them on the crosses and they stood them up there before the crowd, both these guys were railing on the Lord. But through the process of events as the day goes on and the words that the Lord is saying from the cross there, this guy that is recorded for us here, his heart was changed. And he says, well, let's go back up and read verse 39. He says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, the one who had his heart changed in this process, the other answering rebuked him, saying, Does not, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? So where's your, where's your fear? Do you not fear God? You deserve everything you're getting right now, he says. And we indeed justly, he includes himself there, we indeed, we're getting exactly what we deserve. For we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. This guy started out railing against him. 
by the end of the day, he's confessing his sin before God and calling on the Lord. He didn't know what he was calling about. Just remember me. Remember me when thou entered into thy kingdom. He knew. He understood who Jesus was. His eyes were open to that while he was hanging there on the cross. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. This guy never been to church. Never got baptized. Never had offered up any other prayer requests before this one right here. He never went to an altar. Never knelt down. Never prayed the sinner's prayer. Didn't do none of that stuff. Lord, remember me. When thou enterest in thy kingdom. Today, the Lord says, shalt thou be with me in paradise. He is glorified. He is glorified. This man lived a life of wickedness. He lived a life of sin. He lived a life of rebellion against God. And in this last moment of his life, he glorifies God in the confession of his own sin. He glorifies God in the confession of his own sin. Joshua 7, verse number 19. We see another confession of sin here. And Achan pays with his life, as does his family. And glory is not what pops out to me when you think about Achan. It's a sad story. A man in his greed. A man in his greed, rebelling against God in a fleeting moment, tempted by what was laid before him there and, and seeing what was there and what he could have and what he could gain in that moment. He was tempted by it. He took it. And it cost him his life and his family's life. So it's a very sad story. But as the lots are being drawn to find out who had done this sin, uh, they go out against Ai, of course, and they get whipped. And Joshua has the sense after that to go, well, wait a minute now, we need to go find out what's going on. Because apparently God wasn't with us today. And we need to find out what's happened. And so he goes and seeks God's direction. And God tells him, well, somebody sinned in the camp. And did the very thing I told you not to do there at Jericho. They've taken from Jericho. And this is the reason I did not give you the victory. And so they go drawing lots to see who it comes to. And it gets down... They draw the lots and it lands on Achan's family and they draw lots again it comes right to Achan's door. And so they know he's the one that did the deed. He took the gold and took the, the garment and hid it in his tent floor there. The very thing that God had told them not to do, Achan did. Tempted in that moment. Saw, just, just saw what he could have saw what gain he might get from it and he takes it. He tells us there in chapter 7 and verse 19, And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord, to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him. And tell him now, or tell me now, what thou hast done, hide it not from me. And so Joshua says, in your confession, you're going to glorify the Lord. Even though it's going to cost him his life. And the lives of his family. But he told. And in that confession there, God is glorified. Even though it cost Achan. 
his life, God was glorified. It's For me, that was a strange place to see that the glory of God used in that way. Because that, 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 Joshua knew what was coming to Achan. Joshua knew what, what the punishment would be. He knew that. But yet Joshua was the one that he said, You're, glorify God and tell the truth. Glorify God and confess your sin. And so it's an interesting place where we see the glory of God used there. But nevertheless, that confession of his sin was a glory to the Lord. Go to Luke 15. Luke chapter number 15, verse number 17 and 18. This is a familiar story to you. This is... The story of the prodigal son. And this young man, he gets his, he's the second born of his father. He gets his inheritance from his father before his father had died, by the way. He let, Daddy let me have my portion. I ain't dead yet, but I want my portion. And so he gives him his portion and he goes off with righteous living and ruins it all, spends it, and it's gone. And that after it's gone, he starts getting hungry. And so he goes down and gets him a job. And his job was to, for some Gentile farmer to feed that guy's hogs. And he was so hungry feeding that guy's hogs that he, he thought about, well, you know what, if I just eat the husk here that the pigs are eating, maybe that'll, maybe that'll satisfy my hunger. And it says he came to himself. I love that. He came to himself here in Verse number 17, it says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and despair? And I perish with hunger. Even my daddy's servants eat better than I am. And here I am down here in this hog pen, thinking about eating hog slop. When our servants are eating well at my house, I will arise, he says in verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. The prodigal son glorified God in his confession. He arose, says, and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Once you're a son, you don't stop being a son. You don't stop being a son. He's restored. Even though it, I'm, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I've messed up too bad. Just make me one of your servants. Just so I can have a little bread. And he's restored. He's restored to that, that position. He's made son again. Robe was put upon him. Ring was put upon him. The Lord was glorified in his confession. It's sad though. Most of us are like Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Our confession sounds more like theirs, don't it? This is really how we often sound. And even in our confessions to the Lord, when nobody else knows it, 
When we're bringing it before the Lord, we'll, we'll make the same kind of pronouncements as Adam and Eve make here. They had one law, they had one rule, do not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. That was their one law that God had given them. And that one law they broke. Their eyes were open. They saw themselves naked. They sewed fig leaves together and tried to cover their nakedness. They saw that wouldn't do, so they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. The Lord comes walking in the garden in the cool of the evening there and calls out, Adam, where are you? He's God. He knew exactly where Adam was. He was making Adam aware that Adam didn't know where he was. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And he said, verse number 10, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And here's Adam's confession. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Too often that's what our confessions sound like. Lord, I messed up, but you know. You know what they said to me. You know how they treated me. You know what that look was they gave me. You know how that infuriates me when somebody looks at me that way. You know that when somebody drives like that, I'm just not going to put up with it in my past. Lord, you know. And we start making our excuses. Giving our reasonings instead of simply saying, Lord, I've seen it. Lord, I've seen it. Adam said, it's this woman you gave me. He wasn't blaming Eve. He was blaming God. It's your fault, God. You're the one gave her to me, and she's the one gave me to eat, and I did eat. It's this woman you gave me. That's the reason I find myself naked before you. Then when Eve was questioned, it was the serpent. He beguiled me. He tricked me. I didn't know no better. And so they give their excuses. Too often that's what our confessions sound like. Instead of simply saying, Lord, I've sinned. Lord, forgive me. I failed you this day. Lord, I've come short of your glory. Lord, that shouldn't be in my life. Sadly, that's it's usually how Adam and Eve speak here, is how we speak. Glorifying by simply confessing. We glorify God also. We glorify God also by believing. By believing. Romans chapter number 4, verse number 20. Romans 4, verse number 20. Speaking about Abraham and him believing God. It says, he staggered not. Romans 4, verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. We glorify Him by believing Him. 
By trusting His Word. By trusting His way. We glorify Him. When we don't believe Him, we are accusing God of being a liar. That's a harsh accusation. 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 10. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 10. John says here, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. So when we don't believe Him, when we're not trusting Him, we're saying He's lying to us. And God don't lie. He don't like believing. Trust Him. Trust Him. Daniel chapter number 3. Daniel chapter number 3. And verse number 17. Daniel 3 verse number 17. This is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Such boldness. Such boldness from these three teenage boys. They're carried into captivity. They're put in these positions of rank even in Nebuchadnezzar's court as advisors to him. Nebuchadnezzar makes this image of gold and he demands everyone everywhere to worship this image of gold. And they are to worship it. As soon as the music starts to play, they are to bow down and worship. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the music is played and they refuse to bow down. They refuse to worship that image. They come to him and says, listen, boys, I love y'all. Y'all great. I, you just you you you're so good, I, and I just really really enjoy having you all in my court. But I'm telling you, if you don't bow down this time that the music plays, if you don't bow down and worship this image, like I've come, I'll have to kill you. I'll have to kill you. And so they played the second time, and they did not bow. And so they bring them before the king. It says, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful. <laughs> I love that. We are not careful to answer thee in this manner. You understand what they're saying there? We ain't scared at all to tell you like it is, king. We're just going to tell you straight. We're going to tell you just like it is. They didn't, they didn't mince any words. They didn't, they didn't try to sound pretty before the king. We are not careful. We're not trying to preserve ourselves. We're going to tell you straight. We're going to tell you just like it is, they said. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Man, the boldness of these three young men. Verse 17, they say, If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And He will deliver us out of Thine hand, O King. He's, he is able, and if He wants to do that, He can do that. That's no problem for Him. He's able to deliver us. But if not, if He chooses not to, be it known unto Thee, O King, that we will not serve Thy gods, nor worship the golden image which Thou hast set up. Our God's able, and if He wants to deliver us, He can. But if He decides not to this time, just understand, O King, we will not worship Your image. 
Nebuchadnezzar in his anger demanded the furnace be heated seven times above what it was supposed to be heated. They bound them, they led them, they put them in that furnace of fire. It killed the men that were putting them in there. The furnace was so hot. And there Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there walking around inside that furnace. The Lord appears there with them. Their bands are burnt off from them, and yet not a hair was singed on their head. And Nebuchadnezzar says, didn't we just cast three in there? I see a fourth one in there. And he looks like the Son of God. He commands them to be brought out. They are brought out from the furnace. Their hair was not singed. There was no harm of the fire upon them. And even their clothes did not smell like smoke. And he moves them up in positions of honor. Not only does he move them up in positions of honor, but he says nobody's going to speak anything against these guys God. Boldness. Boldness. And their believing God. Believe Him and glorify Him. Even, even when it gets rough, even when it's going to cost you something, believe Him. Believe it. Glorify God in trusting Him. It is our chief purpose, our chief purpose to glorify our God. Are you glorifying? Are you making it a point in your everyday life to bring honor and glory to the King. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed.